you might fall in love with chemistry, but you also might fall in love with astrophysics or with biology or with neuroscience, right? It doesn't even matter, right? It's really finding a love for something that's complex, that's nuanced, not giving in to the most obvious or easy answer, but digging deeper. Hey guys, Eric Olson here, and welcome to episode 22 of the Science Centric Podcast. My guest in this episode is chemist, journalist, author, TV host, and YouTube star, Mai T. Nguyen Kim. Now, if you live in the English-speaking part of the world, there's a good possibility you haven't heard of Mai, but there's a really good reason for that. Despite having a YouTube audience of over a million subscribers, almost all of her work has been in German, her native language. However, the good news is her first book, Chemistry for Breakfast, The Amazing Science of Everyday Life, has been translated into English, and it's set for release on April 13th, 2021. Chemistry for Breakfast follows a typical day in Mai's life and drills down into the molecules that make it all happen. An interesting and entertaining read for anyone who likes to geek out on the science of everyday existence. I spoke to Mai about her journey from chemistry PhD to TV host and author, how she balances a passion for the truth with the demands of creating a lot of content, and how science informs her philosophy of life, and her chemistry secret for making amazing chocolate desserts. So stay tuned to the end of the episode for that. But before we dive in, a few quick reminders. One rate our podcast, and write us a review on whichever platform you're listening on. And two, find out how you can support our work by going to sciencecentric.com support for more information. Now, without further ado, here's Mai. So Mai, welcome to the Science Centric Podcast. So glad to have you on as a guest, all the way yeah, from- Thank you for Germany. having me. Yeah, all the way from Germany. Um, and where in Germany are you based? Uh, Frankfurt, Frankfurt. Frankfurt. Okay, cool. The, the big airport. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of the Where few places. Where's not so much happening right now. Oh, there's a big okay. testing. There's some big testing COVID center there now. <laughs> oh, okay, great. <laughs> um, yeah, that's one of the few German cities I've been to. Actually, I've been to Munich and I've been to Frankfurt, and that's about it. So. Um, did you only fly through, or did you actually visit Germany? Um, I no, I was actually in Frankfurt for I think a day or two, so oh, I nice. was there. I was there during the holidays, um, and so I got to have some. Uh, by the way, I don't speak any German, so this is if. Uh, <laughs> so I'll probably if I try to say something in German, I'm going to totally mispronounce it. But uh, Apfelwein. Yeah, Apfelwein? Is that the... Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Apfelwein. Yeah, uh, yeah that's uh, some very Frankfurt thing to drink. <laughs> yeah, great. Yeah, you did the most important thing. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and yeah, and, and Munich. I've been to Munich, and Munich was drinking beer. And you had beer. some beer. Drinking yeah. a lot, lot of beer. <laughs> right. Sounds <laughs> um, <that> good. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, so yeah, uh, you know, I mean, uh, maybe that's a good, good place to, to start a conversation. We could talk about alcohol because, uh, in, in your oh, book, yeah. we, um, uh, in your book, uh, which is called, uh, chemistry for breakfast, which I loved, um, you, you talk about alcohol, you talk about how your, um, 
because you're uh, from Southeast Asia, you have this uh, genetic mutation that won't let you drink alcohol. Um, and right. maybe we, <laughs> uh, and maybe we'll come back to that. But um, but uh, what I what I wanted to find out a little bit first was that um, because the content that you create is is in German, um, I think pe- people in the English speaking world are not particularly familiar with you. So could you just uh, you know tell us a, a little bit about you and like and and how you got started and and that sort of thing? Yeah, sure. Yeah, I'd be really surprised if anyone knew me. <laughs> <laughs> I um, yeah. So I am a chemist. Before I went into science communication and science journalism, which is what I do full time now. I used to work, I was a polymer chemist. I used to synthesize polymers for biomedical applications like drug delivery. Um, for example, now there's this, uh, the mRNA um, vaccine. And um, part of that vaccine is also how do you um, like package that mRNA because you can't just inject naked mRNA. So I that was what I was doing my research on, this sort of uh, biomedical packaging. And then, yeah, I went, during my PhD, I started um, just, yeah, basically just talking about <laughs> talking about my research first to friends at parties. I, I often felt like, um, I felt like people were pitying me a little bit for mm. being a chemist, you know? <laughs> Ah, interesting. <laughs> it's like, oh, that sounds hard. <laughs> and uh, oh, I, I, let's say I'm at a party and I meet someone new and they ask me what I was doing. I say I'm a chemist, and then they would, would used to say things like, oh, I, I hated that in school, uh, and <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry, you know. I'm so sorry. And I felt the same way about non-chemists. You know, I felt sorry for them that they, um, there's this whole world this like um invisible world of molecules um that they're missing out on and so i started just talking to friends about it and then i started participating in something called science slams Mm. i think it's also a german thing um it's uh it's like poetry slams but with scientists who talk about their research uh, it's of course it's not like poetry. It's w- usually you do have like PowerPoint slides, and it's um, everyone tries to be very funny and entertaining. And at the end, uh, the the audience chooses a winner by applauding, and you can um, win a bottle of beer or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> so how long are, how long do you get up and speak for? Or in, uh, in it's a limit of ten minutes. Yeah. Okay. Okay. You, you have ten minutes. Yeah. And um, I don't know, it started maybe five or 10 years ago and it's become quite big and there's like national championships even in uh, in Germany. Yeah, that's really cool. cool. That's so cool, yeah. And then now I am... I'm also... uh, I'm almost a full-time YouTuber now. I do science videos. So it's it's really crazy to me during last year, during the corona pandemic, uh, we hit 1 million subscribers, yeah, which is crazy because I feel like there's just, 
um, relatively few people who speak German, you know. <laughs> so I feel it's uh, it's a weird feeling, um, and it's something that we I would have never expected with the Science Channel. Um, but I got got into videos because um, of a contest. I, do you know Dance Your PhD? Yes, I've seen those videos. Yeah, those are hilarious. It's it's a, I think it's become a pretty big thing. But okay. there was something like Dance Your PhD, like the a little little brother of Dance Your PhD and just, just in Germany the, too. Just for the audience, if you don't know what that is, it's where people uh, try to dance their PhD thesis and in in some kind of interpretive dance right and then they video yeah. it and then they send it in right yeah right yeah so the the contest in german was called forscher tanzen which translates to researchers dancing <laughs> which is basically <laughs> what it was and at the time at the time i was um at the um RWTH in Aachen, I just mentioned that because that might be something, a school that people might know abroad. They, I think they would like to think of themselves as the MIT of Germany. Oh, okay. <laughs> and, but then I was, while I was there for my PhD, I used to teach a hip hop dance. Oh, wow. um, For like a college cl class. Um, yeah, yeah. And um, so I decided to uh, participate in Forschertanz in this small uh, dance your PhD like thing. So we, yeah, I made a video about drug delivery. <laughs> <laughs> um, and Wait, I, no, was it just you in the video, or you, you had, no, you had other people and, being the, and, the the molecule, various molecules and things? You like can that? you can look it up. So when you uh, uh, when you um, type in dancing drug delivery on YouTube, you will be able to find it. So this was the very, the very first video I did, and I had no idea how to edit them. I basically looked for the YouTube videos videos on how to edit videos. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and There's a lot of those. <laughs> it, was, it was so much fun that I thought I would really love to do this as a hobby, um, but you you wouldn't do videos as a hobby just for yourself like you would take right. photos right, right um right, so right. i i immediately thought of starting a youtube channel but it took me more than a year to actually do it because i was kind of afraid of what people might think because i was <laughs> it's not something that a chemist uh especially in germany um because i don't know i feel like in terms of media and stuff, and also YouTube, um, the US, they're a lot more open-minded than in Germany. Everything uh, is a lot more conservative. Uh, okay. So I couldn't picture myself like uploading a YouTube video and then the next day going into the lab. I yeah, <laughs> I, I yeah, that's interesting. That's an interesting I felt, point. I wonder. I, I wonder about that because there there are people in the US too that like. Um, you know, there are, yeah, are you working put yourself out there, right? It's it's yeah. Somehow, you're it's working scientist, thing. and then you're putting yourself out into this format where, uh, you know, you might get something wrong, and then it's you know, it's not, you know, yeah. You can get, yeah, and a lot of people still think um, it, it, it. Depending on who you talk to, especially like older generations of scientists, is kind of frowned upon, you know, to do yes. science communication. Yeah, um, but I. Basically, when I was um, when I I was I spent some time in the U.S. Um, during my studies, and then I went back 
for the last year of my PhD. And when I did that for the last year, and when I was in Boston, far away from home, I actually started my YouTube channel there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but in German, I, in German, right? It was also in, in German. Yeah, I started it in, it was mixed at the beginning. Um, uh, so my first YouTube channel is called The Secret Life of Scientists. It's still up there, it's, it's not active anymore, but yeah. um, it's called this way because um, I did like a small series of por like video portraits of portraits of my friends, basically. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to portray different scientists and also engineers, um, but not focusing on their work, but on everything else, on <laughs> them as human beings. Uh, because I felt like scientists seem so otherworldly or like people who don't have hobbies or friends. Right, you know? <laughs> right. <laughs> well, well, that's not entirely untrue, right? I mean, uh, especially especially postdocs, right? That's... Yeah, I know, but I felt like if we really want to um, inspire young people to pick up science, you not you shouldn't only talk about science. Of course, I love science. Science is incredible. Science is cool, but it's also important to be that people are able to identify with scientists, you know, yeah, and I, right, uh, right. And that's what I, that was my initial goal with this, my small private channel. And then I got, um, now I'm, I'm making YouTube videos for, um, uh, what's it called? Like, uh, the pub, like, um, it's like the BBC, but for Germany, the pub, uh, public broadcasting. Yeah. I saw that. It's a, sh it's a show called Quarks. Uh, yeah, that that's on right. So I'm hosting a TV show uh, it's oh, wow. called Quarks, right? And yeah. I my YouTube channel is called My Lab. So um, okay. it's like my my first name My and then Lab. So did the did the TV show come from doing the YouTube channel? Yes. Um, oh, okay, that's great. It was a big that was a big surprise because Quarks in Germany. I used to watch it as a child. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And so here, the host. Here, here the equivalent would be Nova, I believe. Is yeah, Nova. I, yeah. Yeah, I've heard of that. Okay. The, yeah, I, I think so. It's it's like the science TV show, and the host, um, his name is Ranga Yogeshwar. He um, he he was about to to quit because he was he's been doing that for twenty five years, and he was basically planning to retire and he was looking for someone new. I didn't know that, but I was just one day there was a phone call and they invited me to a casting and that was unreal. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. That's really cool. I mean, it's cool to see that progression from, you know, just doing something on, on almost on a whim to now right. I have a successful I, YouTube after, channel to now I'm on television hosting this show that I watched when I was a kid. I mean, that's such a, that's such a great story. I didn't even plan to go back. So when I when I finished my PhD, I was planning to do a, some type of sabbatical, where uh -huh. I would I I thought oh so there's this new so in in Germany that this um, public broadcasting service like the, the German BBC it's called uh, DNZF, um, they only used to do um, TV, uh -huh. 
Uh-huh. And now um, they realize because uh, the viewers, um, <laughs> people who watch TV in Germany, their average, the average age is like 65. The average, <laughs> the average age. So when you're 50, you're al- already considered a young person. <laughs> So, um, fortunately, I'm I'm glad to see that they um, chose to, you know, um, also develop formats that can that they host online, which yeah. is a big thing in Germany. I don't know if you, I don't know if if people are aware because Germany and internet <laughs> and new media, it's like we are a third world country, really. Really? Wow. That's yeah, so surprising. It's, it's really bad. <laughs> um, I know that, I know that, um, so in your book, you talked about like the Wi-Fi service being really bad and. Right. It's, uh, I, yeah, I, it's in there for a reason. It's that, that's German life that your, your internet, you, <clears throat> you can't, you don't even have fast internet everywhere. And. Um, I, yeah, I, I, I think that's true of, of Europe in general, because I remember going to London, it was a similar thing. And I, I think it's because it's the old telephone network or something, you know, it's this yeah, old exactly. infrastructure, and they're trying to put this, mo- you know, bolt this modern thing onto, <laughs> onto this old yeah. structure. And it's just everything's so slow and painful so yeah, yeah so when when the uh when ARD and ZDF so when the public broadcasting announced that they would start online shows and they want and they asked me if I wanted to um develop something with science uh, talking about science and I thought well that's crazy yeah I will try this for a year <laughs> <laughs> then I'll go back to the lab and to doing research yeah. but then yeah I ended up um never going back <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome um so uh, and then and then this uh, so the TV show that now the book which uh, which is coming out uh, I think it, is it out already in Germany or uh, it's coming out yeah in Germany, it's crazy or? so that the book the um, the chemistry for breakfast book which is called komisch alles chemisch <laughs> in German <laughs> I I imagine it sounds really funny um, so this was my first book and um, just. Recently, on March 1st, my second book came out here in Germany. Oh, wow. So it's really crazy to me because I never, it's so cool that I get to uh, get to watch like both books coming out because I never thought that the my book would ever be translated into English. Yeah. This is, yeah. This is like a really big deal. I think in, in general for German authors, anything that's translated into English, that's like the dream. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm super excited. Yeah. Well, I really, I really enjoyed reading it. Um, and uh, so, so the the book uh, it, it covers a lot of stuff. And and one thing that I um, was thinking when I was reading it, I was thinking that chemistry in particular is kind of the um, what am I trying to say? It's kind of the middle science between everything else, right? Because below it, you <laughs> have, you know, physics and above it, mm-hmm. you have biology. And then mm-hmm. maybe above biology, you have psychology or something like that. Mm-hmm. But chemistry is really this, like, sort of middle science. And it is very um, easy in a way for, I think, for people to grasp where maybe physics yeah, or biology so isn't because physics is so so weird in a lot of ways and it's very mathematical and then you have biology which is like can be very very complicated with so many molecular pathways and stuff but chemistry feels like it it kind of 
sits in the middle there and it's maybe more accessible. Do you think that's true? I, to me, I think chemistry is very accessible. Yeah. Um, so it, it almost frustrates me when people don't think, when people say, oh, it was, that used to be so um, complicated in school. I hated it. I never understood it. And um, I've, to me, I think chemistry is very accessible and it's a very close to everyday life. This is what the book is all about, right? Yeah. Um, it's, it's everywhere. I mean, we are made out of molecules, right? So the two of us, which is two bunch, we're, I'm just a bunch of molecules talking to you, which is a bunch of molecules about molecules. It's ah. so, it's so <laughs> meta. <laughs> ah, that's, that just like freaks me out when I think about no, it. No, it's, like. it's such an, every, it's such an everyday science to me. And I don't see it um, represented as, as much in the media when you, when it's, uh, so in Germany, a lot of the science communicators are physicists. Um, somehow, yeah. I don't know why, uh, and I think yeah. it's the same when I think about um, um, Bill Nye. Is Bill Nye a, a, a physicist? Uh, he actually studied engineering. I think that I or think the, yeah, he's uh, uh, the one I that that when you said that immediately came to mind was Neil deGrasse Tyson. Neil deGrasse Tyson, he's an right. astrophysicist, and, which is right. something a little. And I mean, it's it's yeah. we have a few we have a few. Um, yeah, people also in in German media that are very present, and there are no chemists, and I, I wonder why. <laughs> so I'm happy I can represent now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Well, yeah, and and you talk about in the book, uh, you know, it, it tying into um, uh, you know cosmetics and food, especially. I mean, oh yeah, food. So cooking. so my. So I actually studied biochemistry. That that was my background, but I went more in the into the direction of kind of molecular biology and genetics, which is a little bit you know, and not just straight straight chemistry. Um, but but I cook also, and I totally get that 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 like cooking and chemistry are so intimately related, um, especially when you, you know, get in into German baking. You know, baking. Oh yeah, baking. Yeah. Baking is 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 straight up chemistry, and yeah, and baking is 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 hard. You have to follow a few rules, and um, so if you so in baking, you can really just just screw it all up, right? You can make your if you want to make cookies, and you might they might just melt into one giant cookie. <laughs> um, I think cooking. There's not so much that can go wrong, not as much as in baking. Yeah, but exactly. interestingly, in in German, um, so when chemists go into the lab and work in the lab, um, do so lab work is called kochen, which is which is the same word as cooking. So we we say ah, ich muss doch was kochen uh, im Labor it means um, ah, I just have to you know finish finish this finish this thing up in the lab. It's it's called kochen, so cooking and it really is basically the same thing. And I just love cooking so much because it's basically like chemistry, but you can eat it. <laughs> I mean, how <laughs> awesome is that? <laughs> yeah, you know, you know if your experiment was successful because it tastes good, right? At the, at the yeah. End of the day. <laughs> yeah, I had, a, I had a, a funny story about that, that I, um, when I was going, going to school, I was also bartending at the same time sometimes late into the evening and then i would have an early morning organic chemistry lab so i'd sometimes come <laughs> in my my restaurant 
outfit. And I was in that that mode of like pouring one thing into the other and and just kind yeah. of I you know you don't measure anything you just kind of look and so I right. would come into the, I would in, come into the Ochem lab and I'd be doing the same thing because I was just <laughs> in that mindset. <laughs> and it was the funniest thing because the the professor uh, the teacher teaching assistant was like wow, you, you know, have you done this lab before? You seem very confident and like, you know, you're all, your, <laughs> all your, all your experiments are turning out so well. And I was like, no, it's, I like, I don't know. It was, but so, so it was so strange that, um, that even worked. Yeah. I don't know how that yeah, worked. Yeah. It's very you... closely related. <laughs> <laughs> None of my experiments should have worked. Somehow they all worked. So one of the things that came through in the book and, and we, and we sort of addressed that just talking about that, but, um, that, you know, just science is kind of a different way of looking at things. And as I was reading your book, I, I definitely like, I could relate to that in how you see things, like you start to see things differently. Do you think uh, your book is sort of like, in, in a way, like your philosophy of life? Um, <laughs> it's not so much, not just about these interesting facts about chemistry, but is it is it sort of a little deeper than that in terms of like your philosophy? In a way, in a way, yes. I mean, what I what I talk about in the book towards the end um, is something that I call um, scientific spirit, even in German. Um, the word spirit, we don't have a word for that in German. So in when you read the original German book, um, you will read Wissenschaftlicher Spirit, <laughs> so scientific spirit. <laughs> and and yeah, when I, was, I understand, yeah. No, I was just going to say, I always find that so interesting that uh, science is called, is it Wissenschaft, Wissenschaft in German? Wissenschaft, v Wissenschaft. Right. Wissenschaft. It means, what does that translate to? It's like wise, it's like, uh, it's related wissen, to like wisdom, right? Means it's related to it's related to wisdom, but wissen means knowledge, and uh, uh, wissenschaft means. Um, well, it's hard, but it's it's like the kind of the way to to get to knowledge. Yeah. Okay. It's, okay. All right. Yeah. Well, that yeah. All right. Sorry, I totally interrupted you. I apologize. For <laughs> yeah. that. I just, <laughs> yeah. I thought maybe the so, audience was like, what is, what is, what is she talking about? Wissenschaft. Yeah. Like, okay. Yeah, Wissenschaft. Um, so we were talking about uh, your like philosophy, if this sort of ties yeah, into your philosophy. So I feel like, um, so to me, so the book is basically a love letter to chemistry uh, from me in, in one way. But it's not, it's not only about chemistry because um, it, when you when you fall in love with science you might fall in love with chemistry but you also might fall in love with astrophysics or with biology or with neuroscience right it doesn't even matter right sometimes people try to uh, um, say ah don't you isn't this technically physics what you're talking about or isn't this technically biology yeah of course I mean I, it it doesn't it's it's about it's about mm, so in German in German you would say you would specify and say Naturwissenschaften which means natural sciences so anything that is evidence based mm -hmm. and the beauty in that is that you can 
you can transfer this kind of thinking, this kind of um, evidence-based arguing to also political debates, right? Ah, right. Uh, and also this, um, not only to the, the ability to say, this is fact, let's not argue about that, but then on the, at the same time, the openness to say, well, this here we don't we do not have scientific facts and so we should at least tolerate different opinions without you know um, because i feel like nowadays people treat opinions as if there were scientific facts and right. then facts on the other hand are, are somehow um treated like personal opinions and <laughs> i think if you um if you just i don't know um, learn about chemistry and about the complex ways molecules interact with each other. At, at, at first glance, it doesn't have anything to do with any you know, politics or the way we debate with each other. But it's it's really finding a love for something that's complex, that's nuanced, right? Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Not not all, not giving in to the most obvious or easy answer, but digging deeper. This is something on a meta level um, that's that's beautiful about science, and that yeah, that you could um, view as some sort of philosophy or spirit, as I called it in the book. Right, right. Yeah, I that makes sense to me. Um, I think it's a curiosity about things and wanting to dig kind of be below the surface of it. I mean, that's right. what got me interested in science is that I was always interested in how living organisms work. And I just kept digging. Yeah. And I was like, I'm really good. I want to understand. I want to dig deep down into that and understand the, the processes that make it work. Yeah, um, absolutely. Um, but yeah, I think people are sort of... Well, I, that's a, I mean, that's an interesting question too that I struggle a lot with as a, as a science communicator, but um, because science is so open-ended and you can, you know, no study is really definitive. I mean, not right. really. It could be overturned at any time. So it's right. an interesting thing when it's you're- It's just what we know right now, right? Yeah, so it's an interesting thing that when you are sort of you know, interacting with the public and saying, well, I'm an expert and I, and I know this and I'm, I'm communicating something as though it's a fact, but that fact could be, I mean, all you can really say is this is the best that we know right now, right? This is the best information that we have right now. But then that gets kind of old when you're communicating things. Like you don't want to be, have to say that after everything that you say. <laughs> so, right. So how do you, how do you balance that? Those, those sort of, you know, what you know about science as a process with, with also, you know, communicating science to the public. Right. So what I was trying to um, to convey in the book, so in the book and also in the videos that I make and the TV shows, I always try not only to explain scientific facts, but also try to explain um, why do we think this this is the case what were the methods, what were the scientific methods that led to these conclusions? Yeah. So for example, it's a difference if I'm, uh, if there was a randomized controlled clinical trial where there were two groups, a test group and a placebo group, right? Or if um, a study was 
based on a survey, a psychological survey, which is also a scientific method. But in media articles, um, you never or very rarely hear about methods, right? So you only hear, you might hear about um, conflicting results. You only hear about the results. If you don't know how, how were these results obtained, yeah. then you might think, oh, um, there's so much conflict and so little consensus uh, within the scientific community. But in reality, they, oftentimes there is a big consensus. And it's just, it just seems very conflicted in the media. And that's what, it's, it's very intense. I'm sure it's the same everywhere in the world, but I, right. I can see it here in Germany during, during COVID um, that at the beginning, people were really interested in science and really listening to virologists and epidemiologists. And now I feel like a lot of people got tired because they feel like, oh, this everyone is just there's just so many conflicting opinions. I don't even know who to believe anymore. And people just end up believing uh, whatever expert fits their own personal view. So <laughs> this is very it's a challenge. Um, so how. How I go about it, for my my videos, my YouTube videos, they've become longer and longer. Yeah, um, I because saw that. I tr- I always tr- I I I'm trying to, and I'm still trying to make them as short as possible. <laughs> but uh, now I see there's some things I just need to explain. For example, detailed explanation of the methods. Right? If I don't do that, then um, there's just then I, I'm, for example, I'm saying the vaccines are safe. And then some other dude on YouTube is saying the vaccines will make you uh, sick. And if I can't um, argue, you know, I have to argue in more detail. Right. So right. In, a, in a weird way, um, in a weird way, all this also um, misinformation that's out there, it forces us science communicators to do a better job. Ah, interesting. Yeah, that's a really interesting point. Um, I guess I guess I would just say that. So once you start to dig into that, though, do you find that? And you know this from YouTube's probably analytics. So say I, I was looking at your channel, like a lot of your videos are like twenty minutes long. I mean, do you find that people actually stick around for the whole explanation, or they just want, oh, I want to know this woman's opinion, and and then I'm going to go to this video that has a different opinion. You know, I mean. Yeah, actually, um, I, so the longer the, or let's say there's a rule of thumb, um, (laughs) the more time we put into the research for a video, uh, the more successful it is. Oh, really? Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Oh, that's good to hear, It really pays off. And we were, we were kind of surprised ourselves because at the beginning I started making longer and more detailed videos because I was kind of tired of making like short videos that I, like I said, I felt like I wouldn't watch these videos. I want, I want to watch videos that I can learn something from too. So I started making longer videos and the views would go up and we Uh. would get get more and more subscribers. And this is a trend that I can definitely confirm that, um, I think how to, how to get views on YouTube, you know, it's, you have to offer something that not many, not many people can offer. And in my particular case, I can, you know, I can read through papers. 
um, I have the scientific background to dig deep and then um, to explain it back. So this has worked uh, out very, very great for the channel. It actually grew. It's been growing ever since we um, made longer and more detailed videos. Wow, that's great. I mean, that's really encouraging to hear, actually. Um, yeah, I know. It's, and I can only encourage other science communicators to, to yeah. do the same thing. Yeah. Yeah, and that's why, you know, um, when I started this channel, uh, or the science-centric channel, I was like, I don't want to just get up there and, like, you know, make some kind of explainer thing and just say, you know, something that I don't, like, I have a very surface-level understanding of like I want to have I want to have people on that really understand things and have depth and that people could spend a whole hour and like understand something on a deeper level and hear from somebody who really understands it and not just um my opinion on it because what do I know you know um <laughs> <laughs> but I you know yeah, I'm also, that's I'm a very a humble attitude that I think <laughs> a lot of a lot of scientists have that's what I also love about science because you uh in your everyday work you learn um many many times that you don't know anything <laughs> that's, <laughs> yes that's a very valuable lesson <laughs> i think that comes with age as well that that you realize yeah. the more the more you learn that you realize the less you know you know it's like one yeah. of those one of those paradoxes um so uh bringing it back around to your book um you know the um you cover a lot of ground in this book and i imagine you know you probably had to do some like serious research for it. I, I imagine you don't walk around with, you know, sort of all these facts in your head about chemistry that you could just spout off. Maybe you do. I mean, maybe you do. But did did it did it uh, did you have to do a lot of research in that sense? Well, it's funny <laughs> you you asked that because I thought I had all this knowledge about chemistry. So, <laughs> in fact, the first draft of the book, I I wrote it pretty fast because I had all these ideas and then I just wrote it down and then I went back and sort of just just did the did some fact checking and then yeah, I yeah, yeah. realized on and many levels oh so this is not at all like I remembered <laughs> or um, this is a lot more complicated than than I thought um, so th there's um, a friend of mine who's also a science journalist he says when you don't change your mind like one or two times during research, uh, doing researching for an article or a video or, or whatever, you're probably not doing good research. <laughs> <laughs> so this was definitely the case with this with this book. But um, since I'm doing a lot of um, TV shows and YouTube videos to, um, um, about different topics, I I'm lucky to be able to learn a lot actually. Yeah. So after. After I I made YouTube videos for a year, I felt, you know, subjectively, I felt much smarter than after my PhD, actually. <laughs> oh, wow. Because after a PhD, you know a lot of stuff, but you're such a specialist, you know? Yeah, it's, yeah. You can't even talk in detail about it with so many, with many people. And now with the work i'm doing now it's all relevant topics and i love that i love learning about new things and um i feel like the longer i'm on this i'm on this job the 
uh, the, the smarter I get. So a lot of people mis mistake me for being just extraordinarily smart because I, of course, whenever I did the research for a video, I, I know quite a bit, bit about this topic. But then I al always try to, um, to let people know that I just... I also didn't know before I started, right? I had to read all these papers. I had to talk to experts. Um, yeah. I, um, so I think this is, this is the more, um, also a more empowering way to look at it because then anyone can, can do it, right? If you just had the time and the passion to do it. Yeah. It's not uh, an exclusive, science is not an exclusive club for geniuses, right? <laughs> yeah, I think, and I've noticed there are, there are definitely some people that have that attitude. Actually, you know, it doesn't, I find it doesn't come from the science community. It actually comes from people who think they know what scientists do, or they think they understand the process of science. And they say, if somebody's, you know, has done the work and is presenting what they found and, and, and they'll say, well, you're not a scientist. It's like, yeah, but maybe you spent a lot of time researching this and you can read a paper and you understand it and, and you can write or speak intelligently about it. I mean, it's, it's mm -hmm. accessible, accessible to anyone. I think having that science training, you're probably able to do it more quickly, right? You can yeah. quickly go through and like dissect a paper and say, oh, I, I, I get the idea behind this. But, but anybody could do that if they spent enough time. I think that's 100% yeah. true. Yeah. Um, and then, then you have people in the audience that are saying, oh, you're not a, a scientist. You don't, you can't possibly understand this. I don't think that's true at all. Um, yeah. um, you got to know the basics, but you know, um, so along the, along the course of sort of researching and writing, was there, were, were there any things that, that you learned that just completely blew your mind that were really surprising? Um, there's, there's one part where I just very briefly talk about, um, um, serotonin and how it's related to mood and depression. Mm. And I had an old, very short video up, um, that was about, um, I don't know if it's the same term in English, but in German, it's called like winter depression. It's like a seasonal, uh, it's a phenomenon, phenomenon of seasonal depression. Um, se seasonal affective disorder. Um, yeah, right. And I know because I actually have it, so <laughs> I oh, have wow. that problem. Yeah, yeah. So I, yeah, so there was a video about that. And then I just very briefly in one sentence talked about serotonin and that it's also used as antidepressants. And I, during the research for the book, I I read deeper into it and I noticed that the research on antidepressants and, and how and if they actually work is really contradictory and inconsistent. And um, I know that there's a lot of people that um, where antidepressants really help them, but the research is a lot more inconclusive than I thought. And mm. uh, it's, I, and I ended up um, taking the video down um, just because I didn't want like false information out there, yeah. you know, and, yeah. and I, uh, it, it's not even a big part of the book, um, but I'm, but it's also another, it's a part where I talk about that 
how science is a lot of times inconclusive and that we also have to live with some some level of uncertainty. Um, mm -hmm. We are, as people, pretty bad at handling uncertainties. We don't like uncertainties, right? Yeah. People even people even prefer conspiracy theories, uh, conspiracy theories that are awful, um, but still prefer them over being uncertain, you know? Mm. And we kind of have to, and that's also something like this um, meta lesson that you get from science, that some, some things are just uncertain and you kind of have to live with that and um, live with these open questions and just keep looking for answers. Yeah. I feel that way every time I try to do some kind something about like natural history or like paleontology because mm -hmm. there's so much missing information. So they just yeah. sort of go, well, this is our best guess based on what we the fossils that we have. And you're like, OK, mm -hmm. well, you know, as a as a lab scientist, uh, that's very um, kind of unsatisfying. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <You> know? <laughs> Can't yeah, you just put those dinosaurs in a lab? Come on. Um, yeah, so that's that's interesting. So that's that's yeah. I mean, that kind of alludes to what we were talking about before, which is that you know you want to present something as. I mean, you have to you have to make something, right? If you're if you're a content creator, but then you, there's a certain level of uncertainty with the science, and then you you kind of have to like balance those things out. But I guess in in this situation, you were saying you're saying that. It was just there wasn't something that you could really say that was very conclusive. And so you just decided that it was better to um, just not put it out there at all. I, I actually made an, an updated video about antidepressants, which is, again, 20 minutes long. <laughs> and then I was that was OK. But th that old video, you know, I I didn't. It was about this uh, seasonal um What's it called again? Uh, uh, seasonal, that seasonal uh, affective disorder. Yeah. Uh, I guess your so I guess affect affect is like your mood, so that's where that affective yeah. comes from. Like, yeah. So yeah. the video about that, um, I made this short comment about antidepressants there that I didn't research in in depth, and um, and it was something along the lines of, you know. Um, there are meds with serotonin that that are helpful with um, with depression or are helpful antidepressants, and it was just one sentence. Uh -huh. And I just know that it's not as easy as that, right? That some people are having for some people it helps, but um, the science is inconclusive, and some people are also having had um, bad experience with that. Uh -huh. So I felt like I couldn't just even if it's just one sentence. I felt like I can't let this online. This is just in this short sentence as it is it's false yeah yeah so i i felt like i felt the need to to update that so i i made um i made, ended up making a longer video and this is what i stumbled upon while writing the book while researching for the book oh okay interesting so this is a video that had been up and then you're writing the book and you're like Oh, this oh is, yeah, that's like, not this true. video is wrong. <laughs> yeah, this video is wrong. <laughs> and I took it down and then, I don't know, it, it took a while, but like half a year uh, or uh, half a year or a year after the book came out or after I've written the book, I I got around to make a second um, big video on antidepressants that yeah. I'm now uh, pretty happy with yeah. because it really, because I talk 
I try to explain this uncertainty and not only, you know, explain that it's not, of course, it's, it's, people don't want to hear, um, I don't know, the science is inconclusive. Um, but if that's the case, at least you want to try to explain why is it inconclusive. And I think it sometimes helps to explain people how, for example, depression is, um, how you would, what kind of methods you would use in this research and why they aren't, um, why it's not as easy to, not that easy to get conclusive evidence. Mm -hmm. uh, it's not necessarily mm -hmm. because people are doing a sloppy job. It's just because it's so hard um, to do research on depression. Um, yeah. yeah. I think probably anything involving the brain is probably difficult. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, um, so speaking of seasonal affective disorder, I found that the the best uh, thing that's helped me this season is coffee, um, <laughs> <laughs> which has you know probably everybody's favorite uh, molecule, which is which is caffeine, right? Mm -hmm. um, so um, that was a that was a chapter in your book. You're talking about caffeine, and and uh, there's like a there's like a correlate with uh, chocolate, right? Oh yeah, towards the end. So there's a recipe for a chocolate lava cake in the book. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Good selling point. <laughs> and uh, so there's caffeine and theobromine. I think that's how you pronounce it in in English. That yeah. are that they look pretty similar. The the, the chemical structures. Um, and theobromine also has a, like a very soft. Um, how do you call it? Like. Uh, wakening uh, effect. Oh yeah. Um, but not not as not as much as caffeine. But also um, in in that recipe um, section, uh, it's a nice little trick to add just a little bit of coffee to any sort of chocolate desserts that you make because the the aromas in co chocolate and coffee are pretty similar. Uh. If you have like baking cocoa at home. And you just go in with your finger and just lick it, dry, pure. It it kind of reminds. It will remind you of coffee. Oh yeah. But for just sure. not as intense. So um, you could you could look at coffee as some sort of chocolate-like intense flavor boost, but with a twist. And don't worry, it won't taste um, like coffee because I don't like coffee chocolatey desserts yeah. you won't actually f taste the coffee but it's just like a, a boost of the the chocolate flavor similar to how you sometimes can put like a pinch of salt to sweet things to enhance like the sweetness yeah it's it's an it's something like that but with uh, the chocolatiness <laughs> it just intensifies the the flavor the maybe. aroma the yeah the aroma yeah are you gonna are you gonna do a cookbook at some point Oh, I love that. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, it's in the back of my mind. It's been there for a while, but I don't know. Maybe in a few years, when I when I feel feel I have time for that, yeah, I would love that. That's it's awesome. actually my 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 dream to to like run run a small cafe or restaurant, and I would I would just have it open uh, for a week and then close for a week. Oh. Like open, close, open, close. And during the closed week, I would be in the lab 
and just ah. uh, work on like very cool recipes and then also just like offer maybe three or four items on the menu um, that that I uh, thought of in during that week. Yeah, that's a, that's a that's... concept that I, that's like a dream of mine. Some Someday I might just, <laughs> just do that. <laughs> you can just call it the chemistry lab or something like that. Um, cool. Well, uh, we're pretty much out of time, but, uh, uh, thanks. This has been really great. And, and I know we spent a lot of time about like talking more about kind of science and science communication, but, um, your book is really fun to read. It's like, you know, Thank it's you these so kind much. of everyday, um, kind of walking through your everyday and then digging down into the chemistry and, and all these, you know, science connections that you might not see. Um, so people should, should definitely check it out. And then, um, you know, uh, because this is an English speaking audience, like, you know, they might have, they're not they're unless they speak German, they might have trouble, um, following your YouTube channel, but like where, where else could they find you online that, that they could interact with you in some way? Well, I'm, uh, I'm on Twitter. Um, uh, my Twitter handle is, uh, so um, my T, my first name M A I T H I, and then uh, what's it? What's that? The dash called that's at the bottom. <laughs> oh, uh, <laughs> I, I, I will flash it up on the on the screen, but I, I forget the name of that. Spa I think it's just called a spacer or something like that. I don't remember the name. Yeah, and then N K, and okay. uh, yeah, and. If you if you are if you're interested in learning German, you you can try to uh, pull up the videos, and they at least they have German subtitles. They they might help. Yeah, 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 yeah. Or um, maybe those can get translated at some point. We can we can talk about that uh, after. Um, anyways, thanks again, Maya. This has been great, and um, and good luck with everything. Yeah. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Well, that's it for this episode. We delved a little bit more into science communication in this episode than we did talking about science itself. So I hope you found it interesting. Uh, we'd love to hear your thoughts on this episode. So email us at feedback at sciencecentric.com to uh, give us all your thoughts and comments. Also, don't forget you can support future episodes by becoming a member on Patreon. Head over to sciencecentric.com support for more info on that. The Science Centric Podcast is a FlowSpark Media production. Our audio engineer for this episode was Alexander James. Guest booking was handled by Melissa David. Our intro-outro music comes courtesy of BitBasic. Thanks for listening, and until next time, I'm Eric Olson. Mm -hmm.